Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. At least that's how I'm known here on the program. And I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more for another rousing and riveting installment of the official podcast of Underground Music Collective. And you just heard Revel 9's All Become at the Top of the Show. That's been our opening theme song here at The Quinn Spin since the great year of 2014. And it will be until the very end of days. Almost 10 years with that as our theme song, by the way proud to say. And I'm back here on the interview set once again, and I have the honor and privilege of being joined by somebody you may recognize from last week's group chat over in Studio A, Raw Proof, coming back on the show. Already a two-time guest. Congratulations, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you here. So yeah, after we did that, you know, we immediately started talking about let's do a one-on-one, you know, let you tell your story, let people get to know you a little better. And so we'll do that first by having you answer the three standard questions. Those questions are, who are you? What are your passions? And why on earth would you want to come back on the Quinn Spin so soon? All right. Well, I am Raw Proof, R-A-W-P-R-O-O-F, and I'm a passionate very passionate about uh, writing songs in the hip hop genre, um, songs that have have meaning, songs that have a message, some songs just ripping the mic and f- flexing skills. Um, and of course, I'm on the Quincy Bean because we talk about real shit, man. Yeah. Yes, Regarding we do. Music. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Where can they get those hats, by the way? Uh, hats can be found at www.rawproof.net which is also my Bandcamp page. And um, yeah, thought, the, yeah, I thought, we, more. I thought we'd get there right away, you know, because they look great. And nice, thank you. Make sure you go pick one up and I'll, I'll give you a chance to do that again at the end. But a lot to talk about here. And before we go into the present day, you know, I want to go back and I want to go back to the beginning as far back as you want to go. And I want to give you an opportunity to let us know where you came from as far as people, places, experiences that influenced you. Of course, artists who influenced you, shaped you on this creative journey, and inspired you to pursue this creative life. Cool. Um, I'll go back as far as my childhood. Um, I grew up in multiple places because my father was in the military. But we started in uh, the state of Wisconsin way up north in a spot they called the North Woods, basically just a bunch of small small towns. Uh, everybody fishes and hunts. Mm-hmm. Great place I'll probably go back to um, if the if all this stuff goes to sh- you know, shit. Yeah, <laughs> go off the grid. <laughs> Whenever the purge starts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> go hide in the woods. <laughs> so, yeah, um, start, start, started off up there as a child, and then we moved to – the bigger metropolitan city of Milwaukee. Then we kind of moved around to multiple smaller towns and then eventually moved down, um, man, from Alabama, back to Wisconsin, um, to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and then back to Wisconsin. And then dad finally got out the military in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is right up the road. And um, yeah, and then I've been in Tennessee ever since then. And um you know, I just grew up listening to rap music. I remember I was seven, eight years old. I traded a Metallica tape for a Beastie Boys tape. And that was probably like my first, like, r- like really getting familiar with rhymes and beats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so the Beastie Boys left an impression on me. 
Um, let's see. And then in tennis, or in Clarksville, Tennessee, I started to play with the idea of writing lyrics and making up our own songs with a best friend of mine. We started recording these tapes. Um, so we started writing and reciting like around 10, 11 years old. And then it kind of just something that we did a few times, just, you know, you're having fun with your friends, just how it all started. You know, it was a creative way to have fun with friends. And then a few years later, we got back to it, but we started recording ourselves on like a cheap boom box, uh, you know, blank cassette tapes. Mm. Um, I remember those days. Yeah, I can't, yep. re- I can't even remember how we did that because we had the instrumental in the background, no computers. I don't even recall how exactly we did that, but maybe you could play one cassette tape on one side. Oh, you know those double cassette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. those double cassette players, yeah. So mm-hmm. if you had an instrumental, you bought your favorite artist single. Um, I remember we had a single by this this duo called The Beat Nuts. They had this, they had a, you know, most artists in the hip hop genre would put out a single and it, and it would include the instrumental, at least two songs, sometimes maybe three. Um, so boom, as a aspiring rapper, MC, lyricist, we would listen to these instrumentals and try to pin down our own rhymes. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times we would be influenced by the artists that we listen to. Um, but one of the rules in hip hop is you want to be original. Mm-hmm. So I remember conscious, consciously writing rhymes and being like, dang, this kind of sounds like the same stanza or rhyme scheme that Method Man used, you know. It's like, dang, I gotta, I wanna, I wanna steal, I wanna bite is what we call that. I wanna bite his style. So uh, let me fast forward. So me and my friend Jerome, we started to write these raps, uh, record them around the age of 12, 13. By the time I got, uh, he moved away. His father was in the military. Hmm. By the time I got age of 16, um, my father, who wasn't super involved in my life, but um, he had a friend that was a DJ named DJ Foley. He uh, Somehow he got me connected with him. I, I, somehow DJ Foley got these tapes into the hands of some A&Rs up here in Nashville at uh, Island Def Jam Music. Hmm. And... He got some feedback, came back to me. I'm 16 years old now. He's like, yeah, they heard the tapes. They don't really care for your friend that much, but they like you. And the fact that you're an uncolored rapper, um, you know, they, they, they're kind of interested, but they want to hear some more like, you know, party type music and dance type music. Mm-hmm. And I'm 16 years old. I'm just like, ah. I don't even go to clubs. I don't dance. I don't party. And right. This is when Puff Daddy was very big in the mainstream, wearing shiny suits mm-hmm. and doing all these jiggy dances and stuff. <laughs> and um, Mo Money, Mo Problems. That video looks like it was filmed inside of a cheese, cheese grater. grater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was kind of anti all that. I mean, you know, so fast forward a little bit. Um, I wasn't trying to mess with DJ Foley, man. He, overcharged me to burn a CD and this and that. And it seemed like he was trying to take my, you know, take me at a tender age of 16 and try to mold me into something that he thought would be uh, profitable. So, I mean, mm-hmm. apparently some labels told him that this is what they're looking for. This might be a way to make some money. 
I'm in it for the art form, strictly the craft. So, you know, I believe it was meant to be maybe a mm -hmm. higher divine power. Me and a friend went to a pool hall. We're 16. We just got cars and stuff. We're at a pool hall and I meet this dude at a pool hall that's like sitting down. He's got these CDs and stuff. He said he's selling his own product and um, talk to him. Just saying the word hip hop back then meant something. Mm -hmm. And uh, talking about the hip hop culture and this and that. So the guy's name turned out to be Flex Man, about seven, eight years older than me. So he's like in his early 20s. Mm -hmm. And he just moved from Jackson, Mississippi up there with another guy. They had an independent label called Hostile Records. Mm -hmm. And uh, psh, I linked up with them, checked out their home studio, freestyle, smoked a bunch of weed. They're making beats. They're rehearsing their stuff back and forth, flawless. You know, just like stuff I'm like mesmerized by. And to this day, like these guys are still some of my favorite artists. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so they had a huge influence on me, started going the independent route and um, always respected the independent route since then. And, uh, you know, I just started to learn a lot, you know, from from that whole experience. One thing that stuck out to me was when you traded that Metallica tape for the Beastie Boys tape. You know, it seems like a pivot happened there. And you just immerse yourself and really embrace this world of hip hop. What about the message of hip hop? What about the culture of hip hop really resonated with you in a way that maybe other genres haven't or haven't as much? One thing for sure is um, you don't have to have a lot of money to participate in the art form of hip hop music, you know, you literally can have your music done by another person or yourself beatboxing, mm -hmm. you know, just so like you can get your music right there for like a performance act. You you literally just need a beatboxer and then somebody to do the poetry, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it didn't cost anything, man. I remember having a friend named Jeff, the age of probably 10, 11 in Wisconsin, you, you know, we're taking trips to visit family from Tennessee up to the Midwest mm. and had a friend named Jeff, man. He had a, you know, in his house, his older brother was a DJ. He just had like, you know, cassette tapes like crazies, CDs start, started to come in at this time. And then um, Jeff had a drum set, you know, down in the basement, man, I just, I was, Amazed, like, you know, like that movie Step Brothers. Uh -huh. you know? And uh, <laughs> so, like, Jeff was playing the drums, and I'm just like amazed and stuff. I'm like, man, what? Man, I had like two brothers, a sister on the way. You know, we're bouncing all around, being a military family. Like, is we didn't have enough room. This is highly unlikely that I would get a drum set. But um, yeah. So I mean, in short, it's like, I think that's what uh, made it so. It was easily accessible, mm -hmm. you know. I'm not gonna get. In, I'm not gonna get too much into like, you know. Um, I don't know. I think moving around helped a lot too, man. Because mm -hmm. you just you experience so much whenever you move around. Like you got stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. you know? Different you parts stuff. of the country, different cultures. Yeah. How did that shape your artistry? How did that shape your message? Man, I think I think the more you the more you travel, the more educated you become. If you're observant. And so um, I was thinking about that this morning. I was 
trying to count how many states I've been to. I know I've written down the list before. I know it's over 20. Mm-hmm. It might be closer to 30. And these are the states that I've actually like went and explored in and spent some time in and stuff like this. So yeah, it it definitely shapes you because you realize all the co- all the common characteristics of people and sometimes places. You also, of course, you realize the culture shocks and the differences. Yes. But it's mm-hmm. the it's the similarities, I think, that really enable a writer of any art form to be able to connect with people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that definitely resonates because moving here from the Northeast, like there's such a cultural difference between the Northeast and here, you know, but also just like, you know, I go back there a couple times a year, specifically to Bethlehem, PA, about an hour north of Philly. And it's so interesting to see like Nashville is this growing, like vibrant metropolis that like there's always something new popping up here. There's always cranes in the sky building the next skyscraper. And I go back to Bethlehem and not to say it hasn't grown, but like so much about it is like timeless and the same like i can rely on bethlehem to by and large never change (laughs) you know what i mean you come here and you see this like you know nashville's different every time you leave and come back you know what i mean there's something new happening there's something new opening there's there are new opportunities here Uh, but i think like from you know being in those different places and seeing that contrast it makes you a more well-rounded individual in general it shapes your art indeed shapes your platform did you have a uh was there any culture shocks that you had like was there anything that you witnessed aside from the mega growth that's happening here you know i I, so i've been here about five years a little more than that now and like i wouldn't say there was a whole lot of culture shock you know i think it was more just when i got to town i was just so excited to be here i was just so excited you know to have a fresh start and like to be building the thing in nashville that i just like a, I immersed myself in whatever I could, but B, I kept so busy that I don't know that I really had time to notice like the cultural differences right off the bat. Right. It's more subtle, I think, you know, because people and their demeanors are more subtle here than they are in the Northeast. <laughs> in the Northeast, it's very intense in your face, you know, like I I remember moving here and, you know, realizing how much I curse. <laughs> compared to down here like you don't curse unless you're angry in the south right like generally speaking up north it's just like you know part of every sentence you know what (laughs) i mean so it's like i had to i think get a hold of that at first and then i just kind of stopped caring about getting a hold of it and now i you know (laughs) when i'm not on the show i'm you know curse like a sailor but like I that that was probably the biggest thing and also going from like urban and suburban environments to like or, or rural and suburban environments to an urban environment, like a true urban environment, like seeing the pace of this, seeing how all this goes. I mean, I spent some time working in New York post-college, but like I didn't, I didn't live there. So seeing like how a city functions, you know, living in a city, in a major metropolitan city, as opposed to Bethlehem, which is a small city, about 75,000, like, yeah. There are definitely differences there. Definitely. Uh, those would probably be the two biggest things. Realizing how much I curse and how much more, I guess, methodical life is, you know, in the South as opposed to the Northeast. And just realizing what it means to, like, live in, you know, one of the larger cities in the country. Those are the two biggest things for me. Word. Yeah, like, you came in five years ago, man. So, like, you were r- arrived here right smack dab in the close to the beginning of the gentrification stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So like, that's very interesting, you know, um, 2016, I had 
I was over there off of Joe Johnson. Uh, it's like the Charlotte Avenue. Yeah, like North Nashville. Yeah. Like just right at the southern tip of North Nashville. Yeah, so you yeah. have all these pastel townhomes and stuff my friend stayed in. And she was on housing assistance. You know, so she's paying, I don't know, not more than $800 a month for rent. Mm -hmm. And these other people are coming in and they're paying like, I don't know, 12, 13. And mm -hmm. people are coming, people are going. Some people have been there for decades and decades and decades. And uh, it's just an interesting dynamic. I think it's the first time I've actually seen it with my own two eyes, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so very interesting. And then I guess what happens is a lot of people get displaced mm -hmm. and they get, they, they get moved over to to the outer parts of the city where I'm at right now. And uh, so I live in what a lot of my friends tell me is the hood, which is like the same thing as a neighborhood. You just don't really have that neighborly feel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I like that. I heard that definition recently of the hood. I like that definition. You know, of course, I've all, I've been fortunate, like always made a point to know who my neighbors are, mm -hmm. no matter where I've lived. Yeah. And if you can do that, and you know, be nice and kind to your neighbor. Almost any place I've ever lived, man, I've always had neighbors that looked out for me, and I've looked mm -hmm. out for them. And that's very important, you know, because crime can happen no matter where you live. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know. So yeah. it's like if your neighbors are looking out for you, and you're looking out for them, man. I don't know. I think I think I think that's kind of goes along with that golden rule. <laughs> yeah. And I think like too, you know, being in a transient city where a lot of people come and go and it's a lot of us creatives here and most of us, you know, that who who I know aren't from this area originally. Like our families are far away. Some people don't have the best relationships with their families. Like you've got to build that circle and that tribe here. It could be your neighbors, like your direct next door neighbors, but also the communities of people you work with. You know, and for me, like my family's 800 miles away. They're they're all up north. You know, I'm the first person in my family to ever move to the south, right? Like to move this far away. And like I had a couple friends here when I moved here, but like really, you know, what's kept me here for five plus years is the community aspect and like going out and you've got to go out and find it and you've got to put effort out there. And like I think a lot of us, you know, if if we're moving away from home, you know, like you know, we're not used to having to do that. We're not, you know, we're leaving everything we've ever known to do this entirely new thing, to go on this brand new adventure. Right. And it's strange and new. And we don't know the vast majority of the people. We don't know what to expect out of the experience, right? So it's important to build that community. Yes. Now for you, as somebody who moved around the country a lot, you know, as a kid growing up, like, how is your perspective on that? You know, as far as going to a new place and immersing yourself, like, do you find that it comes more easily for you or... Are there still challenges associated with that? Yeah, I, it does come pretty easy. Pretty easy, you know. As a child, moved around a lot because of the military. Uh, young adult years, I took that crazy job you might have seen in the papers. Like, hey, join, join this. Uh, you know, sell magazines door to door. It's like road <laughs> rules or something. I took that job. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so I went knocking doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, I fell for an insurance thing once right out of college. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's adventurous. Yeah. You know, I love just seeing new things, man. I think it's so healthy for the mind. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to mental health and stuff, just seeing new scenery, uh, it's so refreshing, man. Mm -hmm. You know, the last time that I made a major move, um, aside from 
moving back here mm -hmm. was moving away. And uh, what I did was I erased any expectations I had, mm. you know, because I was kind of pushing reset on my life and mm -hmm. I wanted like a brand new slate, you know, and um, I just had no expectations and I was never let down because mm. <laughs> I, I didn't expect anything, you right. know, just my own. Everything's on me. I'm taking full responsibility of all my actions and whatever happens, mm -hmm. you know, started from ground zero. Yeah. You know, oh God, I started from some nasty ground zero whenever mm -hmm. I moved away and then, um, you know, built myself back up and then I moved back to this beautiful place, which also was changing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. This beautiful, crazy place. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I remember, you know, coming back from the holidays, driving back into town and immediately like just feeling that crazy Nashville energy in there. I'm like, here I am back in this crazy ass place. <laughs> like, it is though. It's like, there's, there's a chaotic energy, but it's a chaotic energy that I think is fueled by a lot of the growth that happens. Right. But to your, to your point, like, I think when you release expectations, like it allows you to create new experiences, even if it's a place you've been before you've lived before, you know, I, my Nash, my relationship with Nashville has undergone that, you know, even though I've never really like moved away from here, I've spent periods of time out of town and come back. And last fall, you know, there was some personal stuff we don't need to get into on the show, but like it really kind of like jaded my view of the city, you know, because I had some weird interpersonal experiences here over the course of a couple of years. And then when I got back, I was up north, you know, worked Music Fest, you know, did, did the whole thing, you know, last summer, spent all of August, first little part of September up there, came back and I realized like I need new experiences here and I need to go out and just kind of like mix it up and just like release expectations, forget what I thought I knew, you know? And I find like my relationship now with Nashville because of doing that is better than it's been since right when I moved here because there's no expectation. It's a clean slate and it's just about waking up every day and trying to get the most out every day. Can do, yeah. But you got to release those expe expectations because that allows you to just release a lot of that baggage you might be holding on to from your previous experiences in a yeah. place. Definitely, man. Definitely. Perspective is everything. You know, where I stay, as I said, all my friends say it's the hood and stuff, but you know, to me, I got, from my perspective, I'm blessed because I walk out on my back porch. There's a beautiful pond with uh, geese and, and fish and turtles. And, you know, I mean, it's it, it's all about perspective, I guess, you know. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, the more you know, the more your perspective can change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, personally, I would love to get a spot like out in the more rural area mm -hmm. just to be around nature. Yeah. And uh the way the housing market is, which is insane, I I'm I'm trying to build. I think I could save a, a yeah. hundred a hundred grand just by building the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, by building a house instead of purchasing one. So Yeah, get that plot of land and raise it up. Yeah, man, yeah. raise it up, put a studio in there. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned nature, you mentioned mental health a little earlier, like how do you make sure you make time for yourself and make sure you make time for your own mental health and get out into nature? And how does that help inform and have you feel refreshed during the creative process? Well, that's easy. I don't have any kids. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Yeah, man. But nature, um, it's pretty easy, man. Like if people aren't from Tennessee, uh, we have a lot of trees. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. more trees than most places do, I think. Yeah. You know, especially the eastern half of the state. Oh, rolling, yeah. rolling through the Smokies between here and Knoxville, like I guess that's the Smokies, and then even further east, like unreal sights. Yeah. yeah, it makes it one of the top ten most beautiful scenic states in the country. I think. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, balance is everything, man. I think for the past um, almost fifteen years now, my whole motto on life is, you know, find your balance, achieve it, and maintain it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's. That's not. I'm not trying to be super philosophical. It's, your balance is pr probably different than ten other people in this building's balance. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their own balance. Figure figure out what balance works for you, and then maintain that. For me, that means having numerous activities that I enjoy doing. Right. Basically, enjoying life in mm -hmm. numerous different ways, and not like obsessing over one, like creating music. Mm -hmm. Trying to put out music, you know, shopping your music, forming your music. Like I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna spend my whole entire, uh, you know, every single day on music. I've been doing it for so long already. Like it's more of a lifestyle, mm -hmm. and I think that's what like um, is missing right now. Even the knowledge of the hip hop culture, and and how you know, the different elements, um, which are art forms in themselves, whether it's practicing graffiti art, dance with break dancing, um, DJing, you know, the art of turntablism, and then emceeing or writing rhymes. Like these are all different different outlets and art forms to express yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that's the that's what I'm trying to get back to. Um so yeah, like I just find that having a balance and uh, enjoying life in numerous different ways really helps to rejuvenate yourself. You know, I could be working on a song and maybe I'm stuck or something and I stop and I go work out or, you know, hit the water and go kayak at Percy Priest Lake or mm -hmm. something like that and then come back to it. And it's like, it's instead of trying to force stuff, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like just maintaining your balance man yeah and that, that balance is going to look different for each of us you know even from season to season in our lives mm -hmm. you know it is important though to be able to take that step back when you need it you know because you're going to be able to come back creatively refreshed you know you're going to be you're going to have more to give you know like right now i find myself in a season of like go 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 and like i feel really good about that like yeah. i'm refreshed you know still from the holidays it's a new year new possibilities a lot of good stuff happening I might get to a point in like May or June where it's like, all right, I got to like take a step back for a moment because I've got, you know, like yeah. starting to feel a little burned out. I've been going hard for a while, but like it looks different. Like right now I feel perfectly balanced just getting up and going through my routine, you know, at a different point this year, you know, it might look a little different. I might need to take a little more time like for myself and tend to that. It, you know, it all comes down to like, you know, what needs do we need to serve for ourselves, you know, so we can show up best for our art, best for the people in our lives, for our communities, for, you know, whatever, you know, cultural ecosystems we're a part of, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, like, it's that whole you can't pour from an empty cup thing, right? Yep. We've got to make sure that we're giving ourselves what we need. And if we're not, 
find a way to do it. And that's going to look different, you know, from season to season. Dude, that's so like advanced emotional intelligence right there, man. Cause you know, you already predict that like, you know, you may not feel like this six months from now, you know, like that's, that's super advanced, like stuff right there. Man. Can you tell I burned out a couple times? <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I'm yep. the same way, dude. And, and I've actually had that thought. Cause you know, we just, we're getting over like, at least 10, you know, 10 days off from my day job mm -hmm. due to the snow. So I just used this time to really plan for the rest of, at least this first six months of the year. I got yeah. all, all my life goals are kind of planned out. All my creative goals are planned out up until like June. So I'm like, if I can just make it to June, then I can replan for the second half of the year. Right. Because of that reason, because I don't know how I'm going to actually, you know, what kind of zone I'm going to be in six mm -hmm. months from now. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I know when my mental break is coming, and it's August. <laughs> it's 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 August every year. Like because I go up, I go up to Pennsylvania. I work Music Fest. Uh, my pay my way of getting a paid vacation is to be the head of security on the north side of a music festival, the largest free non gated music festival in the country. What's it called? Music Fest with a K. Um, yeah, it's it's the most chaotic summer vacation I could ever give myself, but it gets my brain going in a different way. I get to see people again, you know, and after after, you know, the lights go down every night, at 11 o'clock, volunteers leave the beer tabs on for us and we hang out for a couple hours and five hours of sleep, get up, do it all over again. That's already like a break that's factored into this year. Right. right. So, like, I know knowing that that's coming and, you know, knowing that now I've done that for the past few years. From January to like pretty much like late July, let's go for it. Let's go for it and then like take that time to recalibrate, readjust, think about what's worked, think about what hasn't. It has done wonders the past couple of years getting me refocused and, you know, even kind of influencing directions of the platform overall, direct, you know, directions for my life overall and really informing, you know, how I'm going to show up going forward for the rest of the year going into the next one, right? But it's good to know like when that's coming. It's good to have that planned out and mapped out for yourself in advance because then you know what you need to do to get from here to there, you know, and you know the amount of time you have and what goals to set, right? Yes. And so it's been super, super helpful for me. Now, you had mentioned that you pretty much have the first half of your year mapped out. So it's a great way to get into what your plans are for 2024. Words. So 2024, I plan on releasing an album, about mm -hmm. 10 tracks, um, tentatively called The Lost Gems, mm -hmm. which is a playoff of my first solo album, Unearthed Gems. Um, other goals consist of dropping new merch. Mm -hmm. um, got some hoodies on the way. Just released these trucker caps. Rawproof.net. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. And... uh. What else we got? Oh, yeah. So the big thing that I'm working on is something I just came up with the, came up with the other day because I was like, man, I need some more like dis, uh, distinctive goals. Because, of course, we're going to have all these different side, yeah. side things come along. Um, so I was like, man, I really want to do something for the community. Like, I'm so sick <laughs> of all the negativity mm -hmm. that surrounds um, rap music in the community and mm -hmm. I've realized talking through friends that there's other people out there that feel the same way and they are doing things. So I'm trying to do my part and I would like to do a book bag drive um, in late July. My goal is to collect a hundred book bags and give them out to uh, 
kids that are about a two attend school this August. So for the the upcoming school year, and also have a celebration, live performances from um, hip hop artists that I know that have a positive message mm -hmm. and um, put the art form first. And uh, so yeah, we're looking to lock in the location now. Talking to numerous sponsors. And, uh, you know, sp sponsors are there to help to donate funds to purchase these book bags. Mm. But, you know, if they don't come through, I'm going to get them either way. So this is something that's definitely going to happen. Yeah. And um, who knows? We may call it, I may call the event the return of the backpacker. You know, backpacker was a term mm -hmm. used in late 90s, early mm -hmm. 2000s to describe hip hop artists that were truly about the culture. And somehow that term got kind of, you know, it got, it, it it kind of fell to the wayside, maybe some negative connotation where people were considered to be purist and things like this. But um, where I'm at right now and all the stuff I see and hear on the radio and the, and the imbalance of uh, negative messages versus positive messages and people putting the art form first before, before um, or instead of putting the image first and the lies and the intention of just trying to make it a money grab thing has me ready to revert back to my old philosophies mm -hmm. and um, everything that I truly believe in when it comes to this art form and this culture. So, yeah. And I think building that cultural awareness, the community awareness, you know, it starts, it starts in the schools. It starts at a young age. I, I think uh, Foundation, Foundation Mecca, three-time guest of the Quinn Spin, who Shout we both know. Fondito. Yeah, like he's going around to the schools, or you know, at least he has in the past, and like he's teaching them the art form of hip hop. Yep. You know, and that's so powerful. And what you know, that builds a bridge. You know, that builds a bridge from our community, the music community, the hip hop community, into the schools, into the community at large. It helps create an understanding. And I think in Nashville, like. There's definitely been a lot of progress. I mean, at the Nashville's Big Bash, we had a chance to cover that uh, at UMC. And it was before the televised portion, which we should work on that and get it televised. But there was a tribute to 50 years of hip hop that took place as, I guess, you know, the pre-show before the main televised portion went live over there at Bicentennial Capitol Mall. And like, that's something that like, would have never happened five years ago, you know, to where hip hop's getting that big of a stage celebrated in Nashville. And, but something like that helps build awareness, you know, and granted like building awareness in front of an audience that isn't necessarily in that world. I mean, there was a predominantly country music audience there that night, but people were vibing, you know, you had uh, Tim Jenny, you had Daisha McBride, like, and they did a great job getting that crowd moving and building awareness for what they do and also bringing that positivity to the stage. Word. Really important, really important. Shouts to Tim Gent. He's a Clarksville native. Shouts to Rem Steele and Lou Tester. They also um, have participated in and helped to get that thing going, um, teaching kids inside the schools mm -hmm. about the, the craft and the culture. I love Rem Steel, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I, I'm bumping heat the first day of summer every year, man. <laughs> Windows down. That's my guy, oh, man. No yeah. Doubt. I saw him when I see him, East Room a couple of years ago, like two, three years ago. Right. And yeah. Um I haven't really crossed paths with him since, but I really enjoyed his set and that song, yeah. Immediately I went and I added it to my summer playlist. I'm like, man, this is what it's about. Yeah. He there's a podcast called Drunken Public that he does with his friend Sammy. I'm hoping they bring that back and start to shoot that again. Drunk in public. I've heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of that. Not just being drunk in public, but the podcast. 
Yeah. Yep. Shot at um, the Cobra. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've definitely seen that before. I'm trying to think of where, but I'm going to have to look that up again. Probably floating around on social media or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you've got a lot planned here for 2024. One more question I have, and I ask this to every guest of the show toward the end of the episode. If there's one lesson you've learned along your creative journey, and you could go back in time, teach it to your younger self, or teach it to somebody who's just starting out on theirs that would help them navigate things, what would that be? That would be that don't get hung up on working with the best, the most skilled artists when it comes to collaborations, especially if you're just, you know, I'm speaking on like, I'm speaking on community in your local area and as well as nationwide, you know, if, um, don't get hung up on working with the best artists. Um, work with people that are skilled. They may be even like less skilled than you, but they're good people. Work with um, artists that are good people first. That'll save you a lot of headache, mm -hmm. a lot of heartache, a lot of drama, and you'll be able to keep your goals moving. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to keep moving at a better pace. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, recording a song with somebody and then there's this big altercation or they're just known for drama or or they put you on the back burner. Like, try to work with people that are good people because good people are going to put in enough or as much effort as you put in, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's yeah. my... And not just artists, people. Just across the board, good people. Right. People who show up, who honor their commitments, who work hard, who do right by others who walk the walk. I think that's great advice <laughs> because there's so much, there's so much temptation. I think to get caught up in numbers, to get caught up in cloud, to get caught up in trying to like impress people, even if they're not the Ego. right people. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot, especially like I see artists come to town and like, they're just trying to like find a way in, find a way, you know, onward and upward. And that leads a lot of artists in any genre to, Make bad decisions as far as who to work with. Make bad decisions as far as who to trust. And a lot of artists get screwed that way. A lot of artists, you know, end up getting discouraged and going home that way. Right. But if you're... I, I think what it really comes down to is, like, knowing who you are first. And understanding your values. And finding your tribe. Or not even finding, but attracting them. Because no if, you, if you put that out there, they're going to come back to you. It might take a little while. You know, you might have to navigate and sift through some things, but eventually your circle is going to materialize. That's so true. So true. I mean, I've, I've, you know, had conversations. I've had many conversations with um, other local artists about collaborating on music and stuff. And then, you know, stuff just never manifests or come to fruition. But just let it breathe. Let your world breathe. And, you know, things that are meant to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. The people, the opportunities that are meant to be in your life will be there in the long run. And you might go different ways, you know, like you might take different routes to get there. Right. But the people that are meant to be in your circle will always end up there. Yeah, man. And the people who are not will eventually find their ways out. Yeah. I was speaking to a 72 year old uh, spoken word artist named Billy E. Henderson. He's uh he shows up at like the local slam poetry events in Nashville and stuff. And um, you know, he told me that him and his wife think that 
you know, they truly believe that it's a higher power that sends their collaborators their way. This is a guy who claims he wrote over 10,000 songs here in Nashville. He's a mm -hmm. songwriter, uh, first and foremost. And I always listen to my elders, man. I always at least consider what they're saying. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got experience, you don't. And I think as we get older, we start to realize that. You know, we start to not rebel so much against them. You know, think, pause a little bit. And we're able to better, I think, filter the information, you know, so we can assess what's true and what's not and apply the lessons better. Absolutely. Raw Proof joining us on the Quinn Spin. Before we wrap things up, just want to give you a chance to, once again, let people know where they can learn more about you online, where they can find your merch, support the music, all that. Yeah, um, you can support the merch. Check out the free music at um, rawproof.net, www.rawproof.net. And then you can, find the, you can find the music and stream it for free on any streaming site. Uh, R-A-W-P-R-O-O-F I should be the only one With that name And Facebook You can find me on there There's an artist page That's on there um, That's pretty much it man I'm trying to keep my socials Very low key You can find me on YouTube I'm working on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. Yeah I'm not trying to spend I'm not trying to Have an account on 50 different social media platforms You know what I'm saying <laughs> I have a life to live And I have other um, Activities I like to do To enjoy this life And keep a Balance <laughs> That's what it's all about I can learn from you sir <laughs> This has been The Quinn Spin Two ends and Quinn Two ends and Spin Find us on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts YouTube and more Also on the socials We, we have a lot of socials It's Instagram And threads At Quinn Spin Official Facebook And TikTok at the Quinn Spin. You can also find us at the Quinn Spin on X, but I'm not really using it at this point because threads kind of took over, you know, and there's a lot more artists there and a lot less, you know, bickering. Anyway, Underground Music Collective, our central hub for all things independent music, creativity, community, and more. UMCNashville.com is our central hub. That handle at UMC Nashville will also take you to most of our socials, although on Facebook it's UMC Worldwide because we briefly rebranded, and by the time I re-rebranded, UMC Nashville was taken by somebody else. Still haven't figured out who, but I'm going to hunt them down. UMC yeah. 20 Spotify playlist on Spotify, obviously. 20 fresh tracks in the latest episode of this podcast, updated every single Tuesday. Also at Nash Live Shows, you're going to want to follow there. We just announced something very cool happening a series right here on this stage at helping our music evolve so at nash live shows you could also learn more about that of course on all the umc channels as well rebel nine's all become going to take us out just like it brought us in grab some muffins on the way out <laughs> <laughs>